Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Joining us now is national speaker and best-selling author of Fostered, one woman's powerful story of finding faith and family through foster care, Tori Hope Peterson. Tori, thanks so much for joining us on Takeaways. Oh, thank you for having me. It's really great to have you here. And, and adoption is something that is so at the center of my heart, my wife's heart, and God's heart. And I know many people who are watching us right now have so many questions about adoption. They have so many questions about the foster care system, um, it being broken. How can we fix it? How can we, how can we help? Or how can we help uh, adoption become easier for parents to be able to adopt these kids? Uh, what do we do now that there are so many children being born post Roe v. Wade. And uh, you've got a really unique perspective on all of this. So um, let me start by asking you, what, what, what was it like growing up for you in the foster care system? I first went into the foster care system when I was four years old due to a drug bust. Uh, my mom, she, she, my mom, my biological mom loved me. Um, she wanted to take good care of me. That's something that I knew and understood from a very young age, I think she just didn't quite know how to do that. And my mom did everything that she could to get me back. So the foster care system, you know, did one of its jobs, fulfilled one of its purposes, and I was actually reunified with my biological mom. But then as I got older, the abuse in my home got worse. My mom continued, you know, I think she continued to try her best, but didn't have the means, the resources that we have today, um, but the means and resources to take care of me and my sister. And so I had to re-enter the foster care system at the age of 12. And at this point, it was very different than when I was four. When I was four, I, I wanted to be with my mom. But when I was 12, I thought, this is our chance to have stability. This is our chance to escape the abuse and to escape the chaos. I knew when we were living with my mom that things were hard and I wanted it to end, but it was kind of like we left one form of chaos into another. Mm. Uh, in my first home, my sister and I were separated because abuse happened. And then I moved throughout 12 more homes throughout my entire time in foster care, which is very hard because you move and you wonder, why am I moving? Am I unwanted? Do people not love me? Do people not want me? And uh, then my track coach uh, came into my life and he he said, Tori, I think you can win the state track meet. And that was like really weird because there were narratives that I heard when you're in the foster care system, if you know foster care, there are a lot of statistics about foster kids that are really saddening. 50% um, do not graduate high school. Only 2% go on to get a bachelor's degree or higher. 20% are instantly homeless the day they turn 18. Many end up incarcerated um, and dead before the age of 21. And so I knew these statistics and I heard them and I was terrified of them. And so when my track coach you know, gave me this goal, gave me a different narrative, started to chase after that. Um, and he just took me under his wing, became a father figure to me, became this mentor. And then that year, I became a four-time state champion in track and field. And I think that was the day that I could see, even though there were all these really hard things that had happened in the foster care system, that there was good that was yet to come. And during that time that you were in the foster care system and moving from house to house, 12 different homes, what was your exposure to faith like? I had foster parents who took me to church. I had foster parents who 
we didn't go to church or faith wasn't a part of our everyday life. But it was my 11th foster home where they were pretty consistent with everything. And I think it was that consistency that started to raise questions for me, like who is God? Um, if God is so good and so loving, then why have I went through so much suffering and why are there other kids? I've went through way harder things than what I've been through. Um, and I started to ask these questions. I think I really started to be drawn towards the heart of Jesus, like this just loving, caring, intimate man came down to earth to live a human life and then die on the cross for us. Like I, it was very compelling to me, yet my foster parents abused their adopted children. And so it was a bit confusing because I thought, how could there be this really good loving God, but these parents who are hurtful? But they're following the same, him. And were these the same parents that were same taking me to church? That were taking me to church, being to church. super consistent. And then um, they were actually caught in their abuse. And so I had to move homes uh, to my 12th foster home. And this was the only the second out of all my homes. This was the second home. It was interesting that it was back to back that was consistent, taking me to church. We would do devotions before bedtime. And I'd have a lot of big questions about God and she would answer them, but I felt like I don't want anything to do with that God because it's like, he's just a mask that we put on. And I didn't want a mask. I wanted to be known. I wanted to be seen and loved for, for who I was. And I remember being in church one Sunday and we were singing the song, Good, Good Father. And I always had this pressing question, if God loved me so much, why didn't he give me a dad? Because if I would have had a dad, then I wouldn't have had to go into the foster care system or I would have had someone to protect me from the abuse that was happening in my home. And as we were singing that song, I understood that God was my father. He was this father that protected me, loved me, and filled all these gaps that an earthly father actually never could have. And I accepted him into my life. And I watched my foster mom, and it was so drastically different than my 11th foster home. She loved me radically. She gave me what I needed to be given. And it made me want Jesus and God all the more because I wanted to do that for other kids. I wanted to do that for other people. I had the example of my track coach and the example of people at my church who, my church was very involved in foster care. Almost everyone in leadership, they were either foster parents, they had started foster care ministries. And when I looked at them, I thought, if they care about me, then maybe God cares about me. And I think the combination of watching all of these people drew me towards him more and more and made me want to be, to be like him. One of the things that is striking me about what you're saying is this uh, question, if, if God is so good, why, why did he let me go through these kinds of things? We can look at so many different people's situations and that's a question that I think everybody um, we'll ask at some point, we can look at the news and see what's happening around the world. And we say, if God is so good, if he's protecting us, why is he letting these things happen? You know, that, that makes me think of people in the Bible, like Joseph was betrayed by his own family. He was uh, left for dead, sold into slavery. And then he's in a prison. And then all of a sudden he becomes uh, the number two guy in charge and saves, saves the world. And you go, God has a bigger plan. I look at Jesus and say, you know, if God is all about protecting his children, then why is Jesus there saying, my God, why did you forsake me? Yeah. But when we step back, we say, God understood what was going on and he's got a purpose that 
that, 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 our, that our trials are uh, serving a very providential purpose. Yeah, our suffering is not wasted. Joseph is actually one of the stories in the Bible that I find most inspirational mm. because he was thrown into a pit, you know, because he was a dreamer, because he had a dream of who God called him to be and what God called him to. Mm. And then uh, he, you know, was went through slavery and all of this hardship, and he was thrown into a pit again. But the thing that brought him out of that pit was the same thing that got him thrown into the pit. And that was his gift of dreaming, you know? Mm. And I think so often when we are suffering and we're asking God, like, why am I going through this? Why am I in the pit? The answer is because that same gift that got you in there is the same thing that's gonna glorify God and save many nations. Mm. You talk in your book pretty candidly about uh, just, you know, asking the questions of, uh, you know, do, do I have any say in, in, in my life? Um, uh, you had to learn how to cope with being in and out of different homes. Why are people shuffling you around? Questions of identity, questions of purpose, questions of value and worth, uh, questioning the, the, the care and protection of God. Uh, how did getting involved in track act like a, you know, something to lift you up and, and over the top of what you were going, going through? Foster care was so isolating. Uh, there are different rules that every child has around their case. And since the time I was in care, there has been acts and stuff that has passed that will prevent the situation that I was in. But I was so isolated because of the rules. Uh, um, I couldn't have what's referred to now as normalcy. So I couldn't go to a friend's house. I couldn't go to you know a school event uh, because it was considered a liability. If anything was to happen to me, then it's a liability on the state, on the county. And they could get in trouble. And so track was a place where I could have friends. It was a place where I could build my confidence, where I could have somewhat of a normal upbringing. And then I built that relationship with my track coach. And it was really the first, one of the first adult relationships in my life. And I would say probably the first, you know, man that took me and showed me, I think what, like, Heavenly Father's love is like on earth. He showed me a reflection of that. And uh, track just gave me this confidence, this means to have relationship. And eventually my track coach actually ended up taking me into his family. And so track um, gave me a family. Wow. And, and did he adopt you? <laughs> yeah. So my track coach, when he brought me into his family, he, we were actually driving home from track practice my senior year because another thing when you're in foster care, you can't get your driver's license. And so uh, he was driving me from track practice and he said, hey, you know, I talked to my daughters and they said that we should welcome you into our family. And I just want you to know that our home can be your home. And honestly, that sounds like a beautiful ending to the story. But when he said that, I thought, yeah, I've heard that before. But he continued, you know, to show up and pursue me and say, no, really, like, this home is your home. And so I moved in with him and his family became mine. And I would have these explosions. You're, you're kicking me out. You don't love me. And I would leave. And he was the most consistent, more consistent than any other parent I'd ever had. Mm. He said, this door is always open. This room is your room. And I would come back. And then we'd have another argument and I would leave. And he would say the same thing. This door is always open. This room is always yours. And we will always be your family. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Door is always open. This room will always be yours. Isn't that the heart of God? It, like, it the totally is the heart. Open. That's what I was just going to say. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Like, yeah, it was just such a reflection of God. You share pretty openly in your book that it wasn't you that overcame your circumstances. It was... Christ who did that. Why do you make that distinction? I really think that it's so important that I give the glory to God because everything that has happened in my life, it just couldn't have been done from me, through me. It was done because, you know, God's hand has been over my life and I'm thankful for it. And I I don't, I just never want to take the credit for the good work that he's done. Obviously, you, you, uh, have such an appreciation for God uh, and you have such a, a, a passion for hospitality, for welcoming people in. That just comes through in your book over and over as a theme. Why, why is that? I think it's just so many people, you know, welcomed me in. There was this woman named Tanya. I always questioned and doubted if I would be a good mom, but I knew I wanted to be a mom. I had a, a teacher actually who I was in his class in like seventh or eighth grade and we were reading this book called The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Teenager. And the first rule is begin with the end in mind. And he was explaining like you need to get good grades right now because that's going to translate to college. And some of you, if you don't go to college, you're going to end up like your parents. And I could kind of see, you know, these two different images and I could see me with my kids and I could see that they, they had a dad. I could see that I was caring and nurturing to them. And then I could see the image of what it was like living with my mom, with drugs on the table and being abused. And I was like, I don't want my kids to go through that. I knew that I had to do something different, but I was so worried and scared. Like, what example do I have? You can know what you don't want to do, but if you don't know what you do want to do, then that's problematic. And there was a woman named Tanya who welcomed me into her home she became like a mother figure to me while I was living with Scott because he was a single dad. And just watching her, you know, be a mom day in and day out, a good mom, I learned like this is what I want my motherhood to look like. And every Wednesday she, she had her biological children and then every Wednesday she would go and she would pick up all these girls who came from really hard backgrounds and she would feed them and she would take them to church and watch so many young girls, you know, be saved, come closer to Christ um, and just have that model of what does it look like to live in a safe home and all you know all of those women now all those girls are now women and many of them are moms and what they had was they had this example of motherhood of femininity manifesting in this beautiful form that they wouldn't have had because of the homes they they grew up in Mm. Um, and so I think I want to welcome people in the way that I've been welcomed in because we can learn from each other think of I think it's Hebrews 13 1 it says be hospitable um, when you are hospitable, you don't know, you might be hosting angels. That's what it says, Hebrews 13.1. I think that's so cool because like we host as host, we want to be a blessing to others. But what scripture says is that being a host also blesses us. 
Uh, th this has been such a great story to listen to and your perspective is so refreshing. It's so inspiring and encouraging, especially to those who may have come through the foster care system or who may be in the foster care system right now. Um, you're a mom. Now you actually get to experience motherhood. Uh, tell us about your family. Yeah, I married my husband, Jacob, when I was 22. And then we had our firstborn son. He's four years old right now. And then um, after that came a young man who was homeless. He was actually an immigrant. Um, his family had abandoned him after he got here. And so he moved in with us and then we adopted him. Now he's a young adult. Um, and then after he came to us, I birthed my second born daughter. Um, she's three right now. And mm. my sister who I was separated from in the foster care system came to live with us. And we also have a 15 year old foster daughter. Wow, what a, what a, what a beautiful mix of people into yes. your family. <laughs> Yes, I, I love my family. And it's a little complicated trying to always find things to do with the littles and the bigs. Tori, how would you encourage parents who want to adopt but might feel nervous about all of the risky possibilities of what could happen? People see others foster and adopt and they think that it has to look a certain way. But something that, you know, isn't marketed when you know, you see the signs to be a foster parent or adopt is that you can do what is best for your family. Um, all families are different. And so when we enter into foster care and adoption, you know, I think what we want to hear is that we can take any child at any point. But the reality is we all have different capacities because our families are also different. And so when you are going into foster care and adoption, you can say, I think that a child like this would actually be the best fit for my family. And I think that that's something that we're almost scared to say, but it is actually wise to say, you know, we need to pray and discern with God, if I am entering into this, what is best for the child and what is best for our family to take the best care of the children that God may place in our care. I think you're right. I think that we have to understand our own capacities, our own abilities, our strengths, and, and really do Ask God for wisdom to discern those kinds of things. Yeah, in any situation to say, I can do anything, I'm open to anything, is really putting on this heart of God. It's putting on a pride. You know, we have to say, I'm limited. This is what I'm capable of. Even though that we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we still have human limitations. And that is, you know, putting our pride down, putting humility on and saying, God, I'm yours. You can move in this, but I know, you know, my own capabilities. Tori, what can the church do to help support uh, adoption and help improve the foster care system? Yeah, well, there's so much. So I, I'll start with um, the practical things and then we'll just go with something that literally every, everyone can do. There are so many ways, like I said, when it comes to foster care and adoption marketing, you just see the signs that are like adopt. Yeah. become a foster parent, but it's so much more vast than that. Obviously, one of the most important people in my life started off as my mentor, as my coach. So just with whatever you have, uh, love the people in front of you. There's what's called a GAL or a CASA. That's a court-appointed special advocate. So you go into the courtroom and you advocate for what's in the child's best interest. And it's truly one of the most important jobs hmm. that you know a foster child can have around them. The church, you know, 
I think in the foster care realm, foster parents, adoptive parents, most of them will say that they don't feel supported. Most of them will say that they don't have the means of support that a parent who solely has biological children would have. And so I think if you could find out, you know, in your church, who are the foster parents here? Who are the adoptive parents? Mm. And how can we support them? You started a ministry if you asked that question in your church. Um, and I think the thing that we can all do, you know, we look at, we can look at the systems of adoption and foster care and we can say, there's a lot of brokenness there. So I'm gonna step aside. There's a lot of brokenness there and I'm not big enough or good enough to step into it. But when we believe that we have a good enough and big enough God, that we literally have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, then we know that we can step into the most broken systems and we can bring healing and mm -hmm. wholeness to them. And what happens is when we, when we step into it, when we begin to interact with it, it's so easy for us when we see that child to change the way we see the system to not how the world sees it, but how God sees it. And when we change the way we see, we're gonna interact with it differently. When we look at this brokenness through the world's lens, then we're gonna take a step back. Yeah. But when we look at this brokenness, the way that God sees us in our brokenness as loved, as one that deserves to be taken care of, then we're gonna interact with the system in that way too. If someone is considering being a foster parent, which can lead to adoption, sometimes there's the foster adopt uh, scenario, what makes for a good foster family? I wish that I would have taken a deeper look at myself and understood my own trauma and my own triggers. Because as even when we're biological parents, you know, all of that stuff starts to come out. But I think when you're fostering, adopting, it's even more amplified. And so if you could just take a look at yourself with God, not in like a condemning way, but in a way of like, God, what do you wanna show me about myself that could help me better take care of your children? Um, I think that that creates, you know, when we can create a safe place within ourselves, then we can create a safe place for other people. Tori, when people read your book or they listen to your life story, what do you, what do you hope they take away I hope that they take away the value of just letting people in. You know, there is this idea, Christian idea of hosting, and then there's like a Christian biblical idea of true hospitality. And true hospitality is not just opening our homes, but opening our hearts and letting people see um, the worst of us and best of us and letting people see how the worst parts of our lives can become good. Um, and so my hope is that people open their homes and their hearts enough to let people in uh, so that they grow closer to Jesus. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.